hi everyone. Welcome to the React Native Show podcast. Uh, with me, Łukasz, who is me, and Michał Pieszchała, our head of technology. Hi, Michał. Who is me? Hello. Uh, I am. <laughs> okay, Let, let's start this. Let's start this. Uh, I want to talk with you about performance optimizations, which is our topic uh, at Coldstack for several months now. We have released the ultimate guide to React Native optimizations a few years ago, and then a few months ago, we re-released this as an ebook, as an uh, updated, extended version of the V1 uh, guide. And I don't know if you remember this, but me and you, uh, we were a part of the performance optimization tour in the United States. We went to the US promoting the uh, guide. Yeah, so we I have. Think it, it rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I had a great time uh, with you and with all of the community. We have we have visited San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Detroit, and I I've met uh, great people from the community. Uh, we have exchanged experiences, and it was a great to chat with all of the folks out there. So during those events, uh, we presented some news from the React Native realm. Uh, talked about metrics you should track in performing your React Native applications. And uh, each event uh, ended with a Q&A from the public. And during those Q&As, we tried to answer all of the questions, but there is only so much time during that time, and we were unable to answer all of them. Some were left unanswered. So today, I was thinking we could gather all of the questions that were asked during those Q&As and answer them here for everyone to listen. What do you think? Yeah, awesome. Are you up for it? Did you actually uh, gather all the questions? No, no. Uh, actually, we removed some of the questions that were presentation specific and we just left like the general performance questions yeah. that yeah, I think might be interesting. Yeah. yeah. So right, before start. we will start in a second, but uh, before I want to do a quick uh, announcement that in case you need help with performance or other React Native related issues, reach out to Coldstack, reach out to us. And as a team of experts, we can support you with all of the things React Native. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Let's answer some questions from React Native Performance Realm. Buckle up. Question. Which performance metric do you think causes the most impact on user experience? Yeah, I think uh, there are two metrics that are like the most important uh, to, to track. This is the TTI, which is uh, time to interactive and uh, frame drops or FPS, uh, depending on what devices you're uh, measuring. So I, I think these, these two are the most uh, impactful. Uh, and, uh, and the rest that we talk about, like um, app size or CPU or memory usage, um, they usually contribute to uh, one of these two. Yeah, so basically yeah. when user can see it, it's, it's impactful to them for what they can see. So from yeah, the mostly. frame drops. Uh, and there is like uh, time to interactive. Uh, we usually 
refer to that when bootstrapping the application, uh, like mobile application or web application. Uh, but we can also uh, measure the time to specific interactions in our um, in our app, like pressing a button and how fast will it navigate us to um, yeah. to some some other screen, right? So um, there is more depth to that. Uh, but when we talk time to, to interactive, we usually mean the the boot time. Okay, I think that's that covers it. Uh, next question. Have you experimented with breaking your JavaScript bundle into multiple packages and downloading, linking them as needed? Yeah, uh, have you? I ha I have. I used uh, Repack. Repack is developed at Callstack, but this is not a strictly performance optimization tool. Usually, you use. Um, those kind of techniques to achieve some other goals like super apps or mini apps. Yeah, and uh, um, and also like if you uh, React Native is pretty specific to that, uh, especially if you're um, using Hermes, uh, it uh, memory maps your um, your bytecode bundle and um, allows you to only load the necessary code into the device memory. So it's like already um optimal in in this case uh and uh it only makes sense to uh, code split an application if you uh load this code remotely from a server right so if you have a use case for that because your app is too big for example uh or you're a uh, or your app is too big and you're a super app right for example uh, and uh um, and, and you work with multiple teams that uh, need to work separately uh there's more of a like um solution to scale problem instead of performance uh, for the users, um, um, apart from uh, just uh, uh, like app size that, uh, that could be big if you, if you don't split your huge application that have some services that some of your users don't use. Yeah, uh, like you can you can download huge um, JSON files on demand if most of your users don't need them uh, on the startup time, and th those can slow down your applications as well. But yeah, that's that's yeah, the example yeah, that yeah. I can think of in terms of in terms of performance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but if you're uh, talking about uh, web development for example it wasn't a question about it but uh, like the code splitting uh, based on browse or features like a uh, default with many frameworks like next.js or remix uh, so you definitely want to do it there uh, with react native it, it just doesn't make much sense in most cases because there are cases where where it makes sense um and uh, i think like expo router is a uh, nice case where um, they use those experimental um, metro features for loading code, uh, like lazy bundling code, which is uh, particularly interesting from the development point of view. So it helps you not execute the JavaScript uh, in the development time um, that's uh, not really used. Uh, but yeah, still not very... Um, visible improvement for from the user perspective. OK, uh, let's move on with another question. Uh, with respect to time to interactive, 
Are there any tactics for improving first-time render times for screens components as opposed to re-render times? Yeah, I mean, there, there are multiple techniques, right? So uh, we can use for Hermes. Uh, we can, uh, which is the default right now, so you probably already use it. Um, we can defer uh, the fetching of data or prefetching some data for, for the next screens. Um, uh, what else? Fetching uh, or, or logic, right? If you need to do some yeah. heavy calculation, you can either pre-do it or post-do it, but don't do it at the same time as rendering is happening. Yeah, and it's it's like easy to um, do some unnecessary computations with hooks some sometimes because they're like so easy to use and they hide um, any complexity out there. So you may not mm -hmm. be aware that those hooks are doing some work uh, whenever you're um, you're rendering something uh, in a React component, so it may um, may affect your uh, mounting, rendering, like first time render time. And I think like there are very specific cases where you need to squeeze like the every bit of performance for specific uh, scenario. Like I like you have a you have a list that needs to be you know, 120 FPS uh, on all possible devices. And uh, in such cases, you may want to be creative and in, in terms of uh, providing two versions of your component, like low fidelity component and high fidelity when you enter the, um, the part of the UI that needs this kind of information. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, sometimes we gotta be creative, uh, and it's not only about uh, um, React Native or JavaScript. Um, I think it's um, it's it's also what's uh, what developers in game dev are are doing, the fogs and all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on uh, to libraries. Is there a JS performance telemetry library that is a one-stop shop? Is there an application performance monitoring dashboard that is most useful for React Native applications? So yeah, I think so where uh, is it? Well, I would start I would start by saying there is no one-stop shop because we have a spectrum of things that we want to do. And like the most obvious uh split point for that is development time and real-time usage. Uh, so you want to measure your applications during development time so that you have the fast feedback loop and you are able to catch all of the performance implication of your code that you are actually writing right now. But you also want to be able to check how are your user users uh, see your application? How do they perceive this? So, uh, yeah, so because of that you have to use different kind of combinations different kinds of tools to to really capture all the spectrum uh yeah so speaking of specific tools uh like in the real time uh, runtime spectrum uh, we can use firebase or sentry uh, or um like many other um analytics uh, solutions that have uh, built-in performance uh, 
capabilities. Uh, this is specifically the case with uh, with Sentry and and uh, Firebase. They're really good at it, and uh, and there is uh, for the dev time uh, we have what do we have like on Android we have Flashlight, right? Uh, we have React Native performance. There are, there are many um, tools and libraries named React Native performance, and uh, they're <laughs> yeah. coming from different creators. So uh, so here uh, we can use one from Shopify, which will allow us to um, hook into the uh, specific markers uh, of um, of React Native and uh, rendering pipeline. And we can uh, instrument our app, send this data somewhere to Firebase, for example. And uh, we also have uh, uh, this Flipper integration uh, from uh, Joel Alderson or Oblader um, on, on GitHub. And uh, he has like a Flipper extension that also measures those uh, performance mar markers from Re for React Native. Or... For the dashboard part of this question, I guess if you are using the real-time metrics, you have dashboard embedded in Sentry or Firebase. But when you are talking about development tools, uh, make sure to plug it into your pipeline so that you have feedback loop on like PR on or like nightly master builds so that uh, you can monitor that and you have to have the historic data for, for your mm -hmm. for Yeah, your and also Flashlight and uh, this Flipper tool from uh, from Oblator is uh, they, they all have uh, UI where you can inspect some performance metrics uh, visually. Uh, and you can also write down this data and visualize yourself however you like. We forgot about one library, which is the most important because it is ours, the reassure. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can also use, use reassure. We have an episode uh, about that. Uh, yeah. Go listen to that episode right after you listen to this one. We're going to link it in the show notes. Um, mm -hmm. I like the next question. It's really, it's really um, fun to to discuss and talk about. So let's ask the question: uh, Is it worthy to use OnFreeze globally to try to improve performance? What's the OnFreeze that you yeah. you enable globally, Miho? Yeah, this is uh, this is a question about uh, React navigations. Uh, use um, like enable uh, on freeze prop for uh, on on specific uh, screens where you can um, we can use uh, react native freeze with uh, react native screens implemented yeah I so think that, uh, sorry I think you you started answering this question from the top from react navigation and I actually think we should go uh, we should approach this question from the bottom there is this yeah. uh, library called react native freeze which allows you to freeze your components on parts of your application and not allow it to render it's really really I mean, small you should ch check out the the code base for that one it's really a nice piece of functionality. This is used by React Native screens, which is used by React Native navigation. And React Native navigation is, of course, the most popular navigation library in React Native. So that's how you get this like low-level functionality of freezing parts of your app inside React Native navigation, which is uh, sorry, React navigation, which is uh, which is really nice. 
Yeah, yeah. And the prop is named freeze on blur, and that's that's what it does. Uh, it's worth to use it. Uh, just know that if you haven't, uh, make sure that uh, you test thoroughly uh, for for any unexpected side effects that uh, you may have relied on. Uh, and yeah, that's that's like it. Yeah. So, what does it do actually? What like do, what are you enabling by doing this enable freeze, enable global freeze, or? I mean, it it automatically integrates the uh, freezing, which is like using uh, React suspense mechanisms to yeah uh, pause the uh, like React rendering. So uh, if you have uh, a Redux um, actions updating everything globally. That's the know. answer. You you answered yeah. my question. What does it do? Yeah. It opt out it's of rendering yeah. if you are not using the particular part of your application. And it does it automatically on blur uh, navigation, which is great. Yeah. Uh, next. Are there low-end devices that should not be supported? <laughs> <laughs> How do you draw the line? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, usually, uh, if you have a good telemetry analytics around your users, uh, you'll be able to uh, know uh, like which users are bringing you the most money or which you care about or whatever. You're the one that knows uh, who to support and um, uh, and who doesn't, uh, who, who's, who's not really in, in your interest group. So that's that's up to you. Uh, basically. Yeah, you should have it in your analytics. Next question. What is the most common type of performance issue that you've encountered with your clients? I can answer this. It's a JS thread and more specifically re-renders on JS thread. We are talking about it in a reassure video. Go check it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Next question. Re-renders are the most common uh, pro causes of uh, excessive loading time and uh, yeah yeah next question is actually a really nice one as well uh newer phones have dynamic refresh rate how would you measure fps in those situations yeah so uh with dynamic refresh rate or variable uh refresh rate uh, we talk about screens that can um dynamically change um, how fast they're refreshing um, their screens. So, for example, iPhone 13 Pro can get to 10 hertz, uh, like from 10 hertz to 120. Uh, so instead of uh, measuring FPS, uh, which is frames per, per second, you may want to, uh, and, and you actually do want to, uh, focus on frame drops, uh, which will give you a rough idea on uh, where your JavaScript or UI threads stutter. Yeah, so you should not be measuring FPS, but dropped frames. What are the preferred techniques to break up work on JS side to achieve high frame rates? Hmm. There are different there are different angles to this question, right? So what yeah. I can what I can say right from the start is it it was story time. <laughs> it was a really 
uh, weird for me to see reanimated sometimes popping up with some libraries that don't use like don't, they're not really uh, UI libraries. They don't have anything to do with UI, and they are uh, depending on reanimated. And why? Because reanimated has this use use worklet um, directive, which allows you to split the JS work between like. Uh, several different, different threads yeah. or something or something yeah. like that. I'm not I'm not sure if that's correct. If it's correct to call them different threads, but this is yeah, uh, yeah. just uh, so yeah. So uh, normally uh, in React Native, JavaScript has its own thread, and uh, worklets uh, are run on the main UI thread of um, of the operating system for uh, for iOS for Android. Uh, Windows is not supported. For example, uh, probably because it's uh, tricky, uh, and uh, mm, yeah. So uh, and and it's actually pretty pretty performant uh, out there. So uh, if you want to break out, uh, use uh, like break up some JavaScript uh, work. Uh, um, use reanimated. Use uh, native driver uh, in in regular uh, animated library. Um, use interaction manager. Uh, sometimes it's uh, it makes sense. Uh, there are uh, specific use cases in React Navigation uh, where you can um, run some of your uh, UI changing uh, code uh, to be um, to be scheduled after the UI transitions of uh, the React Navigation. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that the most common example for run after interactions is like the button opacity, right? So you click the button and then you have a lot of logic and the button is just clicked for several seconds before it is unclicked again. And then you should just do run after interactions on this button. Yeah, it could be. Although, yeah, it's, it's like uh, there are not many... Um, cases where you actually need to use it and definitely don't use it as a you know helper for any kind of interaction. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's do some short questions now. Uh, I need you to answer me with one sentence. Okay. Uh, would you recommend monitoring FPS, memory, and CPU in production? Uh, yes. Uh, use Sentry if you uh, care about ease of use, for example, for the Okay. Have you measured performance of D8 versus Hermes versus JSC lately, post-fabric migration? Uh, so, so we didn't uh, we didn't compare these. There are some community uh, benchmarks, uh, spe specifically around V8 and Hermes and uh, JavaScript Core from Kudo, who's uh, working at Expo. So make sure to check that. There is a lot of nuance uh, to that. Um, some engines are faster in some scenarios. So um, for now, a good bet is to just use Hermes for most of the cases. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how do we anticipate and proactively estimate the effort to ensure acceptable performance and avoid last-minute surprises? Yeah, test. You can use uh, uh, Reassure, for example, or uh, or some uh, some custom code in uh, uh, with Appium if you have uh, QA engineers, for example, and 
and, and use some good uh, real-time user monitoring like Sentry or Firebase uh, to to make sure that uh, your users are also like not affected with uh, um, with the performance issues. And if they do, if they if they are, uh, you you can be quickly uh, notified. Notified about yeah. it. Yeah. Next short question. Have you come across any surprise performance degradation while migrating RNAPs to new architecture? Yeah, so uh, so so there there is there is one um, that you can follow through. Uh, it's it's around the uh, rendering of um, text views uh, and uh, there there's some some good investigation on the Shopify's um the flash list uh, component uh, where uh, um, some folks from software mission are um, introducing the um the new architecture support and uh, and they faced some some like performance issues unexpected issues with uh, short um, answer with is yes there are some yeah. <laughs> some performance issues unexpected yeah. and, sometimes with new and they are quickly uh, they are quickly uh, fixed by the core team. Let's, uh, I think let's link the discussion to this uh, specific, uh, what you just said about the uh, flash list. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I think that question, the next question will be a, bit, a little bit longer one. So hypothetically, if we stopped working on few features and spend a year on performance, how much do you think our current app's performance could be improved? Yeah, first thing, don't do it. Uh, it's not worth it. <laughs> uh, but I have like a small story that's uh, from one of our clients, uh, Dream11, where we spent uh, almost two months with a team of free developers um, working solely on optimizing some 10 uh, metrics uh, in, the, in the chat UI that they were uh, rewriting from native to React Native. And uh, for most of those um, the metrics, we were able to beat the native implementation, and we needed those uh, almost two months to to do it. So it uh, it required a tremendous tremendous effort uh, from a few engineers to to achieve that. So uh, was it worth it? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, um, the the UI was definitely um, definitely faster. So if you can afford it, uh, uh, please please do, uh, especially if it benefits your your users. But spending a year on solely on performance, probably not the best. If your application needs a year of focusing only <laughs> on performance, uh, I think yeah. maybe you'll be better off just rewriting from scratch in this particular scenario. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. Maybe, maybe uh, not. Generally, how much can poorly written React affect FPS TTI? A lot. Um, uh, there oh, is no ceiling. Infinitely. Yeah, there is no ceiling to this. If you uh, misuse your use effects, that's the most common example. Like your app yeah. will not render at all. <laughs> so, uh, Lukas, have you... Have you misused uh, use effect in a in a way that I have rerendered everything infinitely? 
Yeah, but it, it's quite easy yeah. to spot because then you don't see <laughs> you, you you see nothing basically in your in your application then. Yeah, unless it's in in some pesky, uh, very nested screen. Only Which animation libraries you... do you recommend? Yeah, you want to answer that? Uh, sure. Like, um, if you do some animations, but not a lot of them, just go with the animated API and use native driver. If you do more animations, uh, use reanimated, uh, if you know how to use it. Um, then if you have a great graphics team in your company, in your product, uh, ask them to use uh, Rive or Lori. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. it's dependent on a use case, basically. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll, Have I'll I answered this correctly? Do you want something so. to add? Yeah, I'm happy. Okay. Uh, last questions for today's episode. What tools do you recommend to analyze APKs and AI? PA size. Uh, yeah. What is the best to visualize and identify items in the app to optimize to reduce size? Yeah, so uh, there are there are three layers to that uh, because we have three different bundles on uh, two major platforms. So we talk about uh, Android uh, native bundle, iOS native bundle, and JavaScript bundle that's shared. Um, um, that's shared out there with uh, with those uh, with all of those. So uh, for for JavaScript, you can use React Native Bundle Visualizer or Source Map Explorer, for example. Uh, on on Android, uh, there is there is a built-in tool into uh, like APK Analyzer, I think, in uh, Android Studio, right? Yeah, you can use just Android Studio to analyze your uh, your uh, app bundle, and I use it. Re I used it recently. It's really nice when you have to remove something from your app and then check how much your app size and what exactly was removed. So it shows you can compare one APK to another to 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 really compare them. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice. And on iOS, uh, I think Xcode doesn't really have a good tool for that. Uh, but we found a dependencies app. It's in the Mac Store. It's uh, for 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 macOS only, obviously, I guess, because uh, it's about Apple ecosystem. And you can uh, visualize the dependencies, like the native dependencies of your iOS apps or tvOS or watchOS. Yeah, uh, anything Apple. Okay, I think uh, that was that were all of the questions that I wanted to ask you and answer myself. And again, Ooh. those were the questions that we gathered during our uh, optimization guide tour uh, in San Francisco, in Los Angeles, and in Detroit. Uh, I hope you, not you, Michal, but our listeners liked it. And if you have any more questions, please let us know on Twitter uh, or in comments in this video. Um, and I think we should really also link the guide to this uh, show notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's yeah. do it. So thank you, Michal. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And see you in the next one. Thanks, Lukash. Bye.